Hi guys, welcome to Fitter Food Radio. This is episode 97 and uh, I was about to say I'm flying solo, but uh, I'm not. Uh, Matt's not here, but I have an extra special guest, uh, one of my favourite guests actually to have on the podcast and do Facebook Lives with. I have the amazing uh, Lucy Rocker from Soberistas. Hello Lucy. Hi. We nearly had Boris as well, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we nearly had Boris, my puppy, but he's, he's biting me and he's too fidgety, so he's in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners, you missed out. It was absolutely amazing. She logged on to Skype and there was just this little fluffy face just looking back at me. <laughs> so you're, new, you're a new mum at the moment. Yes, he's very cute, but, but hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Are you past that kind of like 12-week phase of of uh, gritting your teeth and just going why have I done this <laughs> yeah he's starting to um he's definitely starting to improve a bit he's, he's getting the hang of going to the toilet outside which is making him very much more appealing uh, <laughs> it's a good job he looks like he does <laughs> he gets away with murder <laughs> what is he again I can't remember what he is he's a cavachon so it's cavalier king charles cross bichon frise oh so he's gonna be tiny then He's going to stay pretty small, but he's just so fluffy and his fur just keeps, every week he looks fluffier and fluffier. So he is just, and I don't really want to go down the dog grooming route either. I quite, he looks like he's just come out of the tumble dryer. I quite like him looking like that. He's got that, <laughs> that scruffy look. looks <laughs> very cute. Oh, awesome. Well, uh, thank you for giving up. I know you're really busy as always. So thank you for giving up some time. Um, yeah, having me. Uh, basically today guys we're going to be talking about um uh, as you know uh we've had lucy on the podcast before i'd have to double check the episode number actually because you are the owner and founder of soberistas which is yep. um well you actually you give us a very quick uh, explanation of what soberistas is i'm sure you can pitch it better than i can <laughs> well soberistas was coined a mum's net for worried binge drinkers when we first launched five years ago so it's a social network website um, primarily aimed at women, but not exclusively so. And our members um, create a profile. They can blog on there, post on the forum, chat to each other in the chat room, um, make friends basically with people all over the world who are in the same boat as them, which is that they have a problematic relationship with alcohol. So they're not necessarily alcoholics, but they're people who have trouble moderating, binge drink too much, and really just want to lead happier, healthier lives without alcohol. And they get that support on Soberistas from a really big worldwide community. Amazing. And having done some presentations, I can uh, vouch for that. I, uh, you have some lovely members and uh, very engaged, very interested. and, and very... They are a great bunch. And it, it yeah. seems like it leads on from not just giving up alcohol, but other things, as in they, there's an interest in nutrition and exercise and you know everything that you're yeah, kind of doing. Yeah, totally. I think it's like, you know, I always kind of thought that the way to, resolve an alcohol problem is never just to take away the booze because if you just do that and keep everything else the same it's never going to work so you really have to dig deep and look at all the reasons why you've been drinking too much and what you're unhappy about in your own life and that's what people do on sober easter so it really kind of and it's not something i've prescribed necessarily with with the sort of model of sober easters it's just that people naturally kind of develop this way they join the site they kind of chat to each other and then they start self-analyzing and really kind of growing you know in personal development and looking at how they can improve their life so lots of people get into um, nutrition loads of people start running I think I've just because I'm a massive runner I love my running and I just always tell people it's such a good stress release you know yeah. for, to go for a run instead of drinking loads of people get into meditation and really start looking after themselves and, and start down the self-compassion route which I think especially for women you know, loads of us just kind of really spend our lives beating ourselves up and, and not really treating ourselves and we're always doing stuff for everybody else and we kind of, you know, neglect our own needs. So there's a real there's a real self-compassion vibe on Sober Easters, which is nice to see. And, and people like women in the 50s and 60s who've never really done nice things for themselves before have, have started like one one member in america she started paddle boarding and she's 60 Amazing. she's never done it before but now she, she's always posting pictures of herself paddle boarding on the lake near michigan where she lives and it's just like wow it's just amazing you know the sort of things that people do once they start digging a bit deeper and trying to kind of lead more fulfilling lives you know, it's a, it's a real common theme when i work with clients or even now lecturing and running student clinics and stuff and just seeing how much that, you know, kind of not prioritising yourself, your happiness, just has this knock-on effect to every other aspect of your health. 
and then that kind of realization I mean it's amazing that she's done that but you can think oh god you know like it's it's so late in life you know get there and go do you know what I'd love to try this I'm gonna do this I'm nagging my parents all the time saying like you have no reason to be here. Not that I'm trying to get rid of them, but I'm like, you have no reason to be here. Like, go and travel the world. Just you always said they always said they would, and they're always like, oh, we need to go and renovate this and paint that and <laughs> mow the lawn. And they're still a bit like, I don't know, you know, babysit us, and they're still a bit like other people's needs come first rather than yeah. So it's uh, yeah, and it's I think it's maybe a British thing as well that we have this sort of. Um, it's like we feel guilty when we're overly nice oh, to ourselves and we think it's like in some way overly self-indulgent and narcissistic and it's there's a balance you know I think there's a lot to be said for really thinking about other people and spending a lot of your life thinking and caring for other people because that does take you away from your own problems and it stops you being so self-absorbed so yeah. you know being compassionate to others is a really healthy way to live I think but you've got to balance that with addressing your own needs and when you overdo the compassion for other people and neglect yourself then it's like you empty the well you know there's nothing yeah. there for other people so you just kind of end up this like wreck <laughs> bedraggled wreck that's no good to anybody and I think loads and loads of people on sober Easters are like that and then they use wine to try and you know make themselves feel better in the short term which obviously alcohol does give you a bit of a lift immediately but then the consequences of that are often not great, so it causes them problems further down the line a lot of the time. It's a real um, loss of identity, I think. You can kind of get to a point where you're like, "What? who am I? What, what's my point? What, what do I do? You know, and, they, and those kind of questions are really kind of difficult to face. And so there's like, like you just said, alcohol is that escape because we don't deal with it then. So keep busy and then drink when you're not being busy, essentially the two kind of Absolutely. modes that you tend to find yourself yeah. in. It's a really good point and I think, you know, for me when I set Sober Easters up and it became my passion and total purpose in life, um, it it really has, I've turned a corner hugely in my sort of mental health and my self-confidence and how I perceive life and my place in the universe and everything because I have a purpose and I have a passion and I never had that before. My passion was playing pool and drinking pints with the boys down the pub, you know, that was what, and smoking. <laughs> Not really a great passion, but now my passion is is that, you know, and it's it's made life worth living, it really has. And I, I think that is, to me, I've realised more and more as I've grown older, the key to a happy life is finding something that you're very passionate about and and feeling as though you've got a purpose and feeling as though your life means something and if you can find that I think you know that's that's really the key keep trying to drill that into my 19 year old at the moment don't (laughs) don't drift into a crappy admin job that you're just going to hate you know you've got to have something that you really care about and that makes you it doesn't matter about how much money you're earning it's no. just about caring for something and having a passion for something you know it's funny because I think back to it again like you it's taken me about well I'd say like 30 over 30 years to find out what I really want to do I think if I was to kind of say in one word I just like teaching I like I like you know finding out everything I've learned about you know nutrition exercise and then teaching it to other people empowering them with the same kind of knowledge that changed my life and but it's it's weird that I've kind of got to this point where god how did like you just said about being 19 and and I worked in a bank I worked in a supermarket had an office job and it's like just didn't really occur I don't know it's very it just took me forever to kind of figure out exactly what it was but along the way one of the things that I do so I should probably rewind a little bit and say that um I'm really excited about the fact Lucy and I have decided to hook up and run a workshop together, Women's Health, Hormones and Happiness. Uh, Guys can come along too, um, but (laughs) we've kind of made it a bit female-centric for now um, because we notice these kind of common threads um, across our own experience and what what, what really kind of allowed us to change and then across all the kind of women that we work with in terms of what are the barriers, what, what knowledge and information do people need to be able to change, what tools, and so that's what we decided to hook up and do. Um, but today what we're going to talk about is um, alcohol specifically um, and beyond really because we're going to talk about things that we tend to do um, you know kind of using alcohol as medication really when you're trying to use it as almost like a sticking plaster because there's something going on that 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 is uh, making you unhappy or you're lacking fulfillment or it's a barrier maybe if you you know have barriers that are stopping you from changing um, and just explain to you what exactly that's doing to your health in the background so I'm going to talk about the physical effect of drinking or whatever it might be um those kind of habits that kick in and what you can do um to you know kind of reverse them change them overcome them but a big part of it is everything that we've just spoken about and that is kind of um both you and I talk a lot about the cause what is the cause 
um, what is it, what's driving that situation, what's kind of in, uh, in, in functional medicine, and I'm lecturing, we call it a mediator, because it's kind of something in the background that, that stops you being able to um, get rid of your symptoms if it's a health issue. Uh, and in this case, it's stopping you from breaking the cycle of addiction, maybe with, it could be alcohol, but it could also be smoking, it could be recreational drugs, could be antidepressants, painkillers, anything that you're kind of taking to, you know, kind of stem symptoms and escape a situation, essentially. Or even lifestyle habits like shopping or gambling yeah, yeah. or, yeah. you know, it's it's that kind of, this is why I've really got, in, I'm not a Buddhist, but I've really got in, interested in Buddhist philosophy and Taoism yeah. as well, that kind of idea about um, being in the here and now and, and not trying to escape our reality and that gambling, um, shopping, addiction, you know, all of those things, it's, it's stuff people do to get out of the here and now. It's like yeah. we're always looking to be happy by removing ourselves from the present situation and you have to reverse that and find happiness from within. And and people always say that, you know, I always heard people saying that happiness comes from within and it's you can't get that from anywhere else. But I never really understood that until I stopped drinking and embarked on this journey of self-discovery over the last seven years. And, and it's absolutely true. And I find that the more I simplify my external, you know, my surroundings, my environment, my day-to-day life, and focus on very simple sort of healthy living kind of wholesome ways of, of enjoying myself then the happier I am and the and the more I try and then when I get out of that and I start trying to deflect again and, and I you know have big shopping splurges or yeah, yeah. you know what, whatever it is I find myself with that itchiness again that emptiness inside it's it, there's a sort of niggling depression there it doesn't make you happy and it, it's like you just but we live in a society that kind of makes us think that because of the adverts we see and you know the sort of consumerist society that we live in so it's just an awareness of that I think I've learned over the last few years has really really had a big impact on my uh, well-being I would say uh, uh, one thing that I do when I present like uh, health history and trying to get people to understand understand causes and triggers and drivers to like their habits is like if you plot like your own kind of like health history and there's direct correlations between the relationships I've been in and alcohol and chocolate consumption. Like literally, <laughs> like when it's sometimes when it's going really well, you know, like you start overindulging, but then it's because, you know, you know, for various different reasons. But then also when it's not, you start overindulging or you overexercise, for example. And I plot all this and then I show people how that then causes hormone and gut issues, which mm-hmm. then affect your serotonin levels, which mean that you're then stuck in this cycle where you go back for more because you can't live without, you know, the endorphins from exercise or you can't live without something to escape. Like the chocolate is a big serotonin factor. And similarly now, what I like to draw associations, uh, when I'm doing that, something I love, like I can't even remember the last time I looked in the mirror. Like I can't even remember the last time I set foot in yeah. in New Look and spent some money on a drug. Do you know what I mean? I'm so busy yeah, yeah. and I'm so engrossed and I'm so like one day after another that I, I look in the mirror and go, God, you should really brush your hair at some point this week. You know, like it's, it's that <laughs> yeah, bad. Not, not high maintenance, you're no maintenance. <laughs> yeah, basically. Even Matt's like, are you going to wash? Like, come on. <laughs> like, I'm all for the natural stuff, but you stink. Yeah, but that is, I know, and then you kind of, then you might go a little bit the other way and you look, then you do look at yourself in the mirror and think, <laughs> oh, I look awful, you know, I've got to sort my hair out, I'm going to do this, that, like, the other. But it is like, I think there's a really, it is totally about balance. And this yeah. is the thing that, I mean, the irony about this whole discovery of mine about balance is that I'm a Libran and I am absolutely the, naturally the least balanced person. The Libran sign obviously is scales and I yeah. am just so not balanced naturally. Yeah. I have to really work at maintaining that equilibrium in everything I do. And it is like, if anything gets knocked out of kilter, so if I don't sleep, if my diet goes off track, if I'm overworked, um, I don't spend enough time with my family, I'm not going for a run, you know, all the things that kind of keep me in a good place. If I don't have those things there, I can really, really feel it. It's like pretty instant that my mood goes, I'm grumpy, I'm stressed, I can't cope. And, and then I like get it all back into balance again through a lot of effort. You know, I have to yeah. really kind of keep driving and driving that effort and then I'm all right again. You, so that's something I've kind of, that's the self, that's acceptance, I think. You know, I have accepted that is the way I am as a person. I'm never going to be a naturally steady eddy. I'm not like that. You know, I'm very, very like gung ho. I throw myself into things and I neglect this. Neglect, so I have had to work at it and I'm pretty all right at it now, but it's taken quite a few years of practice to sort of get it all at a 
a level that I'm happy with. <laughs> Since launching so recently, have you found yourself almost breaking? Have you ever kind of kind of got to a point where you thought you want to drink or you want to do something else or like? Funnily enough, I've never I've never come close to drinking, and I don't know. I mean, I I think that's two factors. I think a it's it's my daily interaction with sober Easters. I think when you know we live in this very alcoholic society, so if you don't talk or interact with other people who feel like you do, then you find yourself feeling very isolate, isolated about not drinking. So it's that pressure, I think, that you can feel. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's having a drink of wine. Why can't I have a glass of wine? I'm stressed, you know. If you don't interact with other people who aren't drinking, then it's very easy to get swayed by that. Yeah. And because I'm so immersed in that culture of people who don't drink and who don't want to drink, I think that has a huge effect on my resilience, if you like, to that. Yeah social pressure so I don't feel it for that reason but I think also <laughs> I think I am the most accountable person as a non-drinker in the world <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. nearly 50,000 registered members amazing and I am known as the founder of Sober Easters and I haven't drunk for seven years so if I drank <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would feel so much responsibility for you know basically everything I stand for everything I've done with Sober Easters it would just be rubbish, you know what I mean? I can't, I yeah, have yeah. to stand, that is my lifestyle choice and I've made it so much the case in, term, in the fact that it's what I do for a living, it's it's my business, it's everything and I, and I so believe in it, you know, my life has changed so much for the better that I know, you know, I will never ever drink, it's like, it's just, I've crossed that line, so I'm very comfortable in the fact that I won't ever drink again, but um but I have had loads and loads of meltdown moments. And, you know, I'm, I, we're not robots. We all have emotional ups and downs and we all have challenges in life. And just because I've, I think I'm in a much better place than I was seven years ago, you know, it, it doesn't make you bomb-proof. And I am still, at certain times in the month, I'm quite stroppy. If I don't have a good night's sleep, I'm quite stroppy. You know, I'm, I'm not sorted 100%, but I'm like, I think where I was probably operating at about 40, 45% on a mental wellness scale, I think now I'm pretty much operating at about 90, 95 most of the time. So it's like just a massive improvement. And it's all come from self-awareness, really. Helped yeah. massive from mind, with mindfulness and meditation. Just listening to you talk, you can kind of say, it's almost like you can predict um, when you're going to crash, as in like mood-wise, or you're going to wake up and go, okay, this is not good. But whereas most people then might turn towards something to, like we just said, to almost self-medicate, what you do is go, okay, what has caused this? What do I need to rein in? Is it the workload? Do I need to get out and have some fresh air? Like you're more self-aware about, like you said, your kind of scales need readjusting, recalibrating a little bit. What do you, is there anything that you would kind of turn to and say, you know, because some people swap alcohol for sugar usually is the common one, isn't it? So Yeah, and, and well, I have done that as well, and I've uh, uh, Christmas this year, just gone, I, I made a commitment to cutting out sugar, not completely because it's virtually impossible, obviously, unless you can stop eating fruit and everything. But um, but I've cut out sort of sugar in terms of, you know, sugary treats or white bread or anything like that where it's overtly present um, because I was a sugar junkie massively, you know, and, I, and, and that was absolutely what I turned to if I was feeling tired or grumpy, you know, time of the month or whatever, and I, I was... I was terrible, like, start eating a big bar of chocolate and I'd just finished the whole lot off in five minutes, you know. <laughs> and I'm no self-control at all. Once I start eating it, I would just pig out on the whole lot. So I really kind of felt that that was not <laughs> helpful. Yeah, yeah. Not just to my waistline or my teeth, but, you know, my mood. I, I just think it's... I don't want to live my life where I'm addicted to anything, really, you know, and I rely on something so heavily. Not anything that's bad for me, anyway. So, um, so I cut sugar out, which was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be actually um and now if I I think pretty much all my go-to strategies are quite positive and I, I when I had my last sort of stressy everything I was really had a big heavy workload I launched a new business just in the middle of Christmas and New Year which was a bit of a crazy time to do that <laughs> um and, and then my daughter my youngest daughter was off school so I didn't have any childcare, and I was um, and Sober Easter's, it's our busiest time of the year. January mm -hmm. is like mega busy because everybody does dry January. So it was just like everything just piled on top of me. I was loads and loads of work pressure. I'd just given up sugar. 
I couldn't go running because my daughter was off school, so I didn't, I didn't get any childcare. Um, I'd just got a new puppy, <laughs> just to really kind of spice things up. Um, and I did have like a complete day where it was like, oh my God, my life's awful, it's terrible. You know? So the things I I've, I've did, this was about three, four weeks ago, and the things that I did to, to sort that out was make sure I've got somebody to look after my daughter so I can go for a run at least every other day. Yeah. Um, I've joined a gym with my elder daughter who's 19 so but not really to use the gym but just for the spa sauna bit of it because it's really nice so at least twice a week we're going there now and just oh, having a couple wow. of hours of chilling out which is really nice because that takes away the guilt that I feel because I don't see her so much anymore because she's older so we get a bit of time together oh, plus it's really wow. relaxing and nice um and I sorted out my workload a bit and got a bit of help where I needed it and I'm, and I started going to bed a lot earlier and getting better sleep but everything's fine you know, it's all kind of levelled out, but there were certain things that I really recognised. I wasn't doing anything nice for myself at all. I was having no me time. I wasn't exercising. Everything was just kind of going off, you know, all the things that I like to do weren't happening. And I also recommitted to my meditation practice, which I'd also let slip, and I've been using guided meditations, which have been brilliant. And I mean, I only do it for 10, 15 minutes a day, but that's making a big difference again it always does really kind of help in keeping my mood level so I feel all right now but all of those things are quite easy for me to turn to now and they weren't you know years ago that would have been hitting the Chardonnay stuffing my face with pizza spending loads of money on my credit card that I couldn't afford to pay back you know all <laughs> these kind of really bad things that then you spiral and the you know the consequences then of those things make everything so much worse it just magnifies your problems but I don't do those anymore and I don't think about doing them anymore it's just I've changed the way that I deal with my problems into sort of a much more positive response so um Isn't yeah essentially you, you probably realize that there's no way uh then there in no way a solution and that's just takes I don't know why having been in a similar situation to you <laughs> Just you just don't realize it can take years to realize it's not a solution. Yeah. I don't, and you do, you once you do kind of get your head around that, it's quite mm. bizarre when you think, How did I ever think that was going to help? You yeah, know, how yeah. did I ever think putting a thousand pounds on my credit card for a weekend in Sorrento because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this weather and I want to go somewhere nice and I hate my life, I hate Sheffield. You know, that's never going to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I not see that? And then having a really bad night's sleep because you're necking wine every night and then yeah. texting some ex-boyfriend that you don't really care about anymore and because you're drunk and a bit lonely and then you kind of create, you know, it's just this kind of the ripples, the negative ripples of, of doing those destructive things are so far-reaching and it, and it, it really is... Um, it's difficult to see it, I think, when you're in the middle of it. It really does, you have to kind of take a step back and, and really do a bit of self-analysis to, to get to the crux of it, I think. And I got the crux of my issues, which I'll be talking about at the event we do, is was self-esteem. I, you know, I just had very, very low self-esteem and, and I didn't like myself. So a lot of my behaviours were not only to escape my reality, but they were also quite self-destructive because I didn't like who I was. And then, of course, when you do those things, you like yourself even less. Yeah, really And then it's just this endless cycle, which was very hard to break, and it was stopping drinking that really got me out of that cycle for good. But um, I, I don't think I could have done it if I hadn't stopped drinking. Well, it's funny because I think the more I learn about physiology, the more I think, gosh, that the habits that you turn to when your mood is low or when you're looking to, you know, like we just said, find a solution from some kind of escape from your troubles... It literally just sends you into a vicious cycle because everything that these things do really affects mood regulation. So the things you just mentioned, you know, the spending the money, the, the gambling, the, gambling the, the drinking, the whatever it might be, eating pizza, it's almost like risky behaviour. And whenever people talk about that with me, I kind of start to think about uh, brain chemicals like dopamine. And I'm like, OK, so they, they're basically looking for, you know, they need something to look forward to. They need some kind of external reward. And this is, you see this a lot in people who are kind of like angelic from Monday to Thursday and then absolutely cane it from Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. This is like, you know, problems with, they don't have this brain chemical, but the more they engage in that kind of behaviour, 
then they need a bigger hit each time to get the same high. So, so it's the same with coffee. Uh, one thing I've noticed, this might be, I don't know if this is a northern thing, Lucy, but affairs, <laughs> like, as in, like, yeah. risky sexual behaviour, yeah. definitely, like, uh, I mean, I just see, uh, I've just, I've got a lot of um, clients up north and friends, it just seems to be coming up, I'm like, is everyone a bit bored up there? I'm not sure, but it's definitely, I think in London, it's that you commute so long, that just kind of makes that Yeah, yeah, it's too tight to be having sex with your partner, never mind anybody else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're always on the tube you haven't got time you know but yeah. like, up north everyone's like well I'll just pop in on my way home I'm not sure but, <laughs> but just no. but that. I think you know like it's um I think like a lot of for a lot of people it is the fact that life can be quite mundane you know day-to-day life is it can be boring and I think that's where we get back to what we were talking about earlier about having that passion and finding the things finding something that really gives you that excitement and, and passion and and fires you up a bit you know that whether it's your job or a hobby or whatever but you need that in your life and if you haven't got that it is it can be boring getting up every day doing the school run going to a job you don't like talking to people who bore you you've got nothing in common with yeah. coming in to a husband that you might not particularly be getting on with or a wife you know or and then not being able to afford to do stuff because your skin and the weather's rubbish. And, you know, it's not surprising, really, that people want to escape all of that. It can be pretty blurred, can't it? Yeah. You know, kind of adult life it, for a lot of people it can be. But I just, I've kind of made such an effort over the last few years to fill my life with exciting things as well and find stuff that I really get a, a buzz off, that, you know, in a natural way. I really love, you know, I'm just walking in the countryside with my dogs. I absolutely love taking the two of them out and watching them run around the field together. It's really, really nice, you know. Mm. And, but when I first stopped drinking, those kind of things would have bored me to tears. And it was one of my big hurdles, really, in stopping drinking was the fact that I was terrified of being boring. Yeah. And I was terrified of being bored. Yeah. You know, I couldn't see that life could be exciting or fun without alcohol. It was I'd, I'd used it so much for that excitement and dopamine rush yeah, yeah. that once you, once you took it away you know I was I just thought god is that what do people do you know what I mean it's like what's the point I really I really did feel like there was no point really in living when I first stopped drinking but it's funny when you stop drinking for any length of time and then you're forced to do things that are fun and different and adventurous and then you get those real natural highs that you think oh right okay this is what it's about and there's nothing there sort of capping that there's no you know filter there's no external um there's nothing there to sort of what's the word um numb the feeling really yeah. you know alcohol's a, it's it anesthetizes us it anesthetizes our emotions but it anesthetizes the good ones as well as the bad so you don't really ever feel that proper excitement or proper love or the real emotions if you're always drinking because it just kind of yeah it caps them and when you do feel them in fully, it's quite amazing. I think um, everyone will be quite relieved with what you've just said in terms of saying that eventually, you know, the kind of natural highs and that real experiencing of emotion returns. Because, again, I've had clients say to me that they go on holiday and even though they should be enjoying time with their family and their husband, all they're thinking about is wine o'clock, like... Or, and that, that's, again, to me, this is, this is you know, obviously it's, there's addiction there, but this is low dopamine because they can't almost engage. I always say to some people, like, dopamine almost turns you into kind of, like, it's almost, I can't think of a, a nice way of saying it, but it almost takes the human element away from you. You become yeah, quite robotic absolutely. about your addiction. So yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it really kind of, I noticed one of the big things that I, because I had my older daughter when I was 23, as a drinker and my younger daughter at 36 after I'd stopped drinking for good. And and one thing, one of the most striking differences in the way that I am as a parent is that with my older one, I used to rush through her bedtime stories completely disengaged with book and how she was, you know, enjoying the book and us doing it together as an activity. Because all I could think about was get to the end of this and I can go downstairs and have a glass of wine. So I'd literally be kind of like, you know, and then Goldilocks came back to the house and da 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 and that's the end. They all lived happily ever after. Right, good night. <laughs> you know, virtually running out of the room so I could get downstairs for a glass of wine because that's all I was thinking about. And now bedtime stories go on for ages and we cuddle up in bed and it's just so mm. lovely. It's a really, really nice point 
part of the day that I look forward to. Yeah. And it's completely different. It's because I'm not addicted to anything. I'm not trying to race off to get to something. I'm not thinking about having a cigarette or a glass of wine. I'm right there in the moment enjoying doing that activity with Lily. And it is just like almost every night it strikes me how different that experience is once you've removed the addictive substance. I did a, a really similar thing with exercise. Um, I think we spoke about it before, but I, I had a, like, without even kind of realising it, a massive, like, exercise addiction. It was it was really bad. And then I kind of, again, probably like someone who's binge drinking, sometimes you can get it under control to almost acceptable levels. But I would still be that kind of person that if you took away the option to go to the gym, I was screwing underneath. I was like, how am I going to get through the day? But I kind of managed to get it down to, like, five, six sessions. So people were like, oh, you know, but I couldn't go without it. So, and then in the end, like, through injury, got forced to have a break and you know I, I think I was um I don't know like you I, just, I would just I was ready at that time it was just just the right time several things kind of fell into place but the amount of things that you then like you just said start to appreciate so like walking in the woods and I couldn't remember the last time I looked at the sky that was like one of the most like it's a revelation to me like when was the last time I sat and just looked up at the sky and how amazing the sky was because you just don't do any of that stuff when you're in kind of full-on addiction mode and like you just said you're not here. Your your brain way off thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I've got to get to the gym and what what sort of weight goals you've got in mind and how you on target and yeah, how yeah. you know what you're going to eat because you've got to make sure you're getting enough protein and da da da. da and your mind's just getting 100 miles an hour all the time, trying to support that addiction. So you're never actually here in the moment, and it's you miss your life. You know, you're always living in the future. Do you find now as well, I suppose, the way I, when I can find myself slipping, probably with those, not exercise, I don't know why I've just, that, that's just kind of fallen into, because I did a big break, I'm like, actually, if anything, I was, you know, probably looked a bit healthier, because I was just literally walking and sleeping more and stuff, so I think I've kind of got that back, like, definitely recalibrated there, but work for me, because I love what I do, is the one area where I think, okay, I definitely push boundaries here, and can find kind of old habits of, you know, I could work harder and then I feel guilty. And then I, you know, so do you find a really similar thing? Just running a business is it's kind of addictive because it is your life and it, it's your baby and it's... it's yeah, and, you, and also you get that dopamine rush as well, you yeah, know, yeah. When, when things are going well yeah. and you've created it and it's doing well. I don't just mean, you know, you're making loads of money, but when you see the impact it has on people, that's yeah, same yeah. as your business and my business, you know, I know Sobaristas really helps people and it's a massive high really when I know that what I've created not that it's me personally that's helping people stop drinking they're doing that because they're part of that community but it makes me feel really good to know that I've created something that is helping people to find their life again you know and find themselves again so that can get quite addictive and um and yeah I mean that that kind of meltdown early January absolutely that was work overload and I and I take it all on myself you know every project that somebody offers me I'll take it and I and I don't think can I fit this into my schedule I take the project and then I think I'll work it out afterwards and then I find that just working till midnight every night trying to get everything done and, and then I get all stressed because I can't go to the gym and I can't take the dogs for a nice long walk and yeah, yeah. everything goes out of balance again it is absolutely probably my only addiction now I think is work yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that because and it's, well I don't know I mean I don't give myself too I, I do have to watch it but I don't give myself too much of a hard time because I do think kind of to be successful in running your own business, you do have to have that certain kind of drive and oh, gotcha. dedication. And if you are too relaxed about it, you're never going to make, you know, it's never going to be a massive success if, you, if you're if only kind of dipping it out and do an hour here, an hour there, and then spend three days off <laughs> lying in bed and <laughs> watching TV. You're never going to be Bill Gates, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I think if you have a successful business, you do have to have that certain drive and obsessive nature almost you know so I don't beat myself up too much about it but it's just a case of being aware of it again and making sure that I try and balance my life as much as possible with nice things and relaxing things and other stuff basically so I don't become a all work and no play type person. It's funny because I often explain to people that and I have to say it to myself as well is that we totally forget that everything that body needs to run itself has it's a limited resource so whether that's energy to do any kind of function in the body or because you need some brain chemicals to think and like do stuff and like you over 
because I've just started lecturing, we do these, uh, the lectures are, it's, it's a bit of a horrendous format, if I'm honest, but it's the only way they can kind of get everything in three years at the uh, nutrition college. And it's 10 till six, and sometimes it's about over 200 slides. So you really have to kind of just go for it. And, and also, I kind of want to make it like entertaining. So I go through all the slides and I, I put loads of stuff in there that I think, you know, will help. And, you know, it's almost like, weirdly, I come away thinking, it's almost like, um, it's not a performance, that's one way of putting it, but you're kind of, you know, on a platform all yeah, day long. Yeah, it does fit. My mum and dad were both teachers and they said that. It was like being an actor almost because you can't let that face slip. You can't be vulnerable in no, front of the no. classroom of kids. You've got to kind of maintain that persona, haven't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I found myself being asked, oh, could you cover this lecture? Can you cover that when I look at it? And I'm like whoa, that's like going to require me to go right back through, you know, like deep down into biochemistry. And I, t I go, like you, I go, yeah, bring it on. Just give it, <laughs> and I'm literally there at one o'clock in the morning going, oh God, which cell was that? Like which enzyme was that? And and I found myself doing, yeah, and, I and, then it. I, and then I get cross with everybody else about it, you know. <laughs> For God's sake, I'm so busy. Can't you see how busy I am? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> you're the one that's saying yes to everything. You know, you've just got to learn to say no if you're too busy. <laughs> well, I noticed the other morning we were traveling up to London. It's five o'clock in the morning, and I turned to Matt in the car. And normally, what I'll do is sometimes travel up with him, and I run the dog whilst he has clients, and then I go into the college. And he was like, "You're really quiet. You're right." And I was like. I just don't think I've got any brain chemicals left today. Like, literally felt like I had nothing left. I was like, I can't construct a sentence. And, and like, the, the hard thing about that is the, the main way around that is to run because then you get the endorphins, that clears the head, and then you can lecture. But the first thing I said to him was, don't let me commit to anything else this week. Like, just just let me have a few days. Like, I need to sleep. I need to not say yes. And, and, the, and an email came in and it was kind of like the challenge. And I was like, not this week, but next week I'm back, you know. Like I, I did rein it in. <laughs> but literally, I was like, God, this is amazing for me because I need to learn this lesson. Like I've literally, and, and you, know, you, you know what comes when you run out of like the, the get up and go is you're going you're gonna to crash. And literally, like. Yeah, you, you've just hit the deck. I mean, it's like, you, it's absolute kind of exhaustion, isn't it? Physical yeah. and mental exhaustion. And it is really... I mean, it's very, very noticeable in me. I'm, I'm not, I don't hide it well. <laughs> I'm kind of 100 miles an hour, da, 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 and then it's like, boom, like, yeah. you know, oh, my God, it's not pretty. But um, it's happening less now because I, I do know it's good. If I don't look after myself, it will happen. So I do kind of, when I feel things are getting a bit too much, then I do kind of try and interject a little bit and, and make sure that I don't carry on being daft. <laughs> I was going to say, the good, thing, the good thing about lecturing is I'll probably get sacked. So I'm kind of got you If I totally run out of neurotransmitters, I'll be like, yeah, you need to go. But what? Yeah. <laughs> Which will probably be a big, big benefit to your life. And, another, yeah. thing, another thing I did notice. Actually, a lot more rested. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I noticed, actually, this is when I was a personal trainer, is when I trained people who were quite stressed and had like kind of that addictive personality type A's, is that they were terrible at um, coordination in the gym. It was just like an observation. Like editors of magazines, city workers couldn't balance and they couldn't coordinate. So often it was like a, anything a bit technical, like a Turkish get up or a technical lift. They were like, do you know what? I haven't got headspace for this. Like, let's just beast me. Just, just beast me. You know, like, I want to do sprints. I want to like swing a kettlebell, but it had to be quite straightforward. And then I noticed yeah. anything that had a kind of fear element, like jumping on a box or balancing, it, it's like their brain couldn't compute, like something in that area. And I said it to Matt and he noticed the same thing. He was like, yeah, I've noticed that. My real kind of type A clients can't balance on one leg and stuff. And then it, it, another thing, again, same thing I took on a bit too much this year, but I went to qualify as a yoga teacher. Go, coming out of a lecture and then going to teach yoga, I'm, a, I'm the worst yoga teacher ever because I can't balance. <laughs> do left and right so I get into yeah, class so it literally was mental overload it's you just definitely. couldn't take in any more information and you can't compute and it's like god knows what that's doing to drive people driving I mean I'm not a great driver anyway but like you really, you really need to rest I mean you need sleep yeah. don't you we're yeah, yeah. so sleep deprived you know like people always kind of laugh at me for going to bed at half past eight <laughs> yeah. I have about five and I've got a five-year-old's bedtime but I need to I really need to I go to bed about half eight nine I read for half an hour or an hour and then I'm asleep by 10 and then I'm up at six half six which means I get my eight hours and I yeah. have to if I'm sleep deprived I am the most horrible person in the room every time 
horrible without sleep. So I have to, you know, I don't care. Just laugh away. I've got no social life. <laughs> I go to bed at eight o'clock. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> I'm just starting to like creep it a little bit earlier. I'm lucky Matt's quite big on it. I'm normally the one kind of fighting to stay up a little bit later, do a little bit. I'm usually working, sadly, but uh, yeah, no, I, I kind of, I'm getting there myself because you just notice the difference and, and like, <laughs> I can balance for a start. <laughs> Don't stack yeah. it out of a yoga pose. <laughs> I can actually and remember that. From the sanity mind. point of view, you do look a lot better as well. You know, I'm, I can't hide physically. I can't hide a bad night's sleep now. You know, when you're kind of 25, you can get by on yeah, yeah. two hours. You look great. You know, you look exactly the same now. If I've not slept, I look about 10 years older. Oh, I definitely, I definitely so. can't. Having not washed or brushed my hair either, I'll look right. <laughs> <laughs> so um what would you say then to um so let's think think of somebody there um now kind of listening to this podcast going that's me that's me this is definitely things I need to acknowledge about myself where do you suggest people start when it comes to unraveling this and, and I'll also kind of say where, where I would do it from a kind of nutrition perspective as well but what do you tend to uh, get people to kick off with because it must be overwhelming if they're if they've kind of listened to all this and gone okay that's me what now yeah, well, I think, I mean, for me, most people I talk to and come into contact with, their problem is drinking, you know, so that's that's just because of what, you know, what, what I do. But I would say whatever the issue is, you have to start off by just removing that, you know, don't do anything else, don't have massive expectations that life is going to change overnight, just remove the one thing that you are, you know, that, that is causing you the problems, whether that's drinking or gambling or shopping addiction or overeating or whatever just invest some energy and time into getting that under control and don't worry about everything else and really kind of subscribe to that it's called Wu Wei in um, Taoism but it's it's that idea of life being like a river and it's just like it's flowing and you can't stop it you know you can't interject and put a dam there and change the direction of the river you've just got to let it go so stop trying to control everything stop trying to manipulate your life and everything around it just remove that destructive element whatever it is and then let everything and don't kind of you know put all that pressure on yourself to to right, i've got to get my diet sorted i've got to stop exercising i've got to do this i've got to do that just look after yourself be really kind to yourself and over the course of two or three months you start to build I think very naturally your self-esteem levels again and you start to sort of I think there's a natural questioning then about why did I do that you know you start asking yourself those questions you don't need to kind of probe and be really kind of forceful about the issue I think those questions start arising and then you you can see things clearly without that fog of the booze you know yeah. which it is in, in the people that I talk to is booze but whatever it is um and then I think you can start addressing the underlying cause once you've kind of and, and it does require that you know I think there are things we do need to do I think you have to expect that if you're acting in a self-destructive way because there's a reason under, you know there's an underlying reason there and I think you have to expect to put some effort in and change the way that you live in order to do things differently and when you first do that it's very uncomfortable it's really really you know it's really uncomfortable when you first stop drinking and you're stressed, you have a bad day, and you know that you can't turn to wine anymore, it's horrible. You know, in the first few weeks, it's yeah. really, really hard, but it gets easier. So I think having realistic expectations and building in new ways of, new strategies and new kind of ways of dealing with things instead of whatever that destructive habit was. Um, but also surrounding yourself with a community, whatever that is, you know, even if it's just one friend who you're just going to meet up with for a coffee and make yourself accountable to every week or joining something like so Reese's or a Facebook group or, or whatever it is, don't do it on your own. You know, you've yeah, got to, I think you've got to talk to other people who know how you feel and who will give you loads of kind of support and who aren't going to judge you. That's really, really important. And mostly what I've found is that these things often alcohol particularly stems from a desire to fit in which in turn stems from a desire uh, sorry which in turn stems from low self-esteem yeah yeah and it's like it doesn't matter how long somebody's been drinking for it might be kind of 30 40 years they'll all say the same thing that they started drinking as a teenager because they wanted to fit in they were shy they were uncomfortable around people they didn't like big groups and they used alcohol to give themselves that false confidence and so lots of lots of the 
people on sober eaters will stop drinking after so many decades and then realise that actually far from being the life and soul of the party and brimming with confidence, they're really, really shy and they don't like big groups and they don't like going out. And, you know, and it's like, ooh, what happened there? You know, this person, this identity that you've had your entire life is just nothing. It's just vanished like a puff of smoke. So you've got to start then. That's when the questions start arising. That's when you naturally start to look at your life and, and the things that make you happy. And I think, you know, like we can, there's loads and loads of shared wisdom on an on a online community as well. Well, which is brilliant for just you'll always find somebody who gets you and who you understand when you're a big when you're part of a big online community because there's that many people on there there's loads and loads of advice that you can tap into to get to the crux of it so yeah I think you've just got to accept that first of all identify what it is that's causing you problems and accept that that is going to be removed and in the first instance it's going to be uncomfortable doing that but then don't force the changes, just let it kind of happen naturally and see where you end up. And and I just think that's that natural journey is what most people do on Sober Easters. And then they kind of almost wake up like a year or two years later and go, wow, oh, my God, I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. happened? My life just changed so much. When did it, you know, and it's almost, it is like waking up, you know, and coming out after hibernation or something. You, everything suddenly falls into place and it clicks. But you can't make it happen overnight. It's got to be a natural journey, I think, not a forced thing. I think um, when I now work with a client, it's interesting because I've trained, when I run a student clinic, I'm trying to, students that I train, an idea of how I would go about it. And more and more I've said, you almost can't go in with like a supplement or a dietary change if you're not analysing everything that you've just spoke about. Because that the, th- the two just kind of need to come on hand in hand. Else, even when, if you suggest a dietary change, there's a bit of like, yeah, but how long for? How long for? When, when yeah. does that end? Because then I want to get back to, yeah, you yeah. know. And so you almost need to deal with the two very subtly. But often things like, I, I often suggest to a lot of clients, um, you know, things like hobbies or um, going back to education, all these kind of things. Like, you know, if they're not happy in their career, what do they really want to do? And sometimes that is going back to night school and actually getting a new qualification. But the feedback is, oh my gosh, when I'm there, like I'm a different person. Like I've got this, you know, okay, I've got a new mission. I've got an assignment. I've got like, a, you know, I'm, I'm distracted from, in a way, uh, you know, the kind of drinking or the, the, like we've just said, it's almost like you've kind of, you're just working on something in the background and it's a slow process for a lot of people. But I definitely started by doing a, a master's in my kind of spare time that got me kind of thinking, okay, a big factor in, in everything, you know, that's wrong here is everything from where I live, the partner I'm with and the job I'm doing. Like, it's like they all just started to kind of stand out as like, I'm, you know, I'm bored, I'm not fulfilled. This this has to change. Um, and so, again, if I, I, I'm there in the background going, you know, you need to eat a little bit more protein and, and, and that kind of stuff. But you also need to, you know, consider this long term so that we don't, you know, end up back in this position. And, you know, simple dietary changes can help with things like neurotransmitters. So if it is a kind of serotonin, dopamine um, imbalance, which, are, you know, most people have that, but also the alcohol or the medication or the smoking or the drugs, whatever it might be, make it so much worse that to rebalance, you have to kind of go back in with things like increasing protein at breakfast, you know, and then some good carbs for tryptophan and serotonin and things like that help with sleep and fresh air, you know, just really simple. Yeah, and it is, it's like if you want to change... It's almost, without sounding scary, everything's got to change. The whole lot's got to go and you've got to redo the whole approach to life. But you can't possibly do that in one foul swoop. It's just overwhelming. Nobody could. You know, you could not sort out your drinking, sort out your overeating, sort out your bad sleep patterns, stop smoking, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's no way you could do all that in one go. And it, it has taken me years to address... And I've not even known I'm doing it. It's like as if they've just cropped up one after the other, you know, like the sugar's been the last one to go. There's no way I could have stopped, sorted out my sugar problem five years ago because I was still way off, you know, knowing myself and, and understanding my triggers. And, and I was I still had low self-esteem. I still had eating issues. You know, there was lots of things going on in the background that meant I wasn't in a place to do that and I wouldn't have stuck with it. Now I'm in a very good place, the best place I've ever been in my life. And, and I can, I've finally been able to get on top of that one. But it is now, I would say, I'm almost unrecognisable from who I was seven years ago. And I wouldn't ever have believed somebody if they'd have said I was going to be like this at 42 no way I just could not have seen that 
I'm like, a, I am a new person. I feel reborn, really. But that's been a very gradual process, and there's no way I could have done it all in one go. So it is, I see people on Soberistas will kind of write stuff, you know, the three days into not drinking, and it's like, I don't feel great yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when yeah, it happens? Yeah. I don't, what's, you know, this great mood everybody talks about, I feel rubbish. You know, when's it going to, when am I going to change? When's it going to happen? And it's like, you know, it took me at least 18 months to get past that uncomfortable feeling of not being able to turn to alcohol when I was feeling a bit down or a bit yeah. lonely or stressed or whatever. It took about 18 months for that to be normal, to not drink. Um, and then all the rest of it's happened since then, you know, once I've cracked that one. So you do have to stop rushing. You know, we live in a society where we want bang, 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 instant results, very sort of gratuitous, aren't we, as a, oh, sort yeah, of, yeah. <clears throat> as a species, I suppose. And it, it's not right now that you can't live like that. You have to just chill out, let everything happen as it's you know it, let it unfold in a very natural way don't try and force it try and be patient and really importantly enjoy the journey you know that's that is really important so you're not going to get to that end result now but you're on that journey to sort of enlightenment if you like so yeah, enjoy yeah. it you know it's like it's a big learning curve isn't it and it's a nice place to be you're addressing those issues you're doing something about it that's really positive and enjoy all the things that you're learning on the way and stop focusing so much on the end goal it's funny because it's like patient my dad always says patience is like a, it's like a lost it's a lost art now it doesn't exist and it's a, it definitely feels like that and similarly if, if we're watching someone kind of transform their nutrition or try and get fit or start running there's this instant kind of you know like almost like your natural reaction is well it's not happening it's not happening it's not happening at the pace that I want it to happen and it's like one of my frustrations, definitely with myself as well, was what you demand of the body without paying any attention to, to what we might have deprived it of or how we might have damaged it over, you know, and this could be over 10, 20, 30 years, and then we expect it fixed in 24 hours. hours exactly. Well. I, I drank heavily and all the all the kind of negative consequences that ensued thereafter in <laughs> <laughs> episodes. You know, 22 years... And it's taken me seven, no, maybe it maybe took me five years to, to really feel like I'd reached a very happy, fulfilled place, a place where I really wanted to be. So, you know, for, for 20 years, 22 years, it took five years to recalibrate. But, you know, I mean, I, I personally never say to somebody it's going to take years. I just always, no. you know, and I'm sure you don't. It's, like, it's more like you no, take every it, single that's day. that's what I'm saying about the yeah. journey, because you, once you're on it, you might not get to the absolute end game for five years but you're going to start seeing improvements straight away you yeah, know you, yeah, within a few days you're going to have an improvement and then an, another month later you're going to have another improvement and that's just going to keep on building over those years but in terms of that final you know I want my life to be sorted I want to be fixed I want to do this 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 I want to have the best job the best relationship I want to have loads of money da, 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 da. that could take years you know because yeah, it yeah. comes from a place where you're not you know, you're not there now and you're not going to get that overnight. But enjoy the journey because you will start seeing benefits straight away. I, I started seeing benefits within, you know, a week of stopping drinking. It was like I, I started sleeping better. Just that fact of not waking up in the morning and looking at my phone and thinking, oh, my God, you know, who have I texted? Who have I rung at three o'clock in the morning, you know, when I was drunk and I can't remember? Not just just not having to worry about that it's like a massive massive thing that I just loved and then like you said before about the sky you know I remember going running really early in the morning about six o'clock in the morning once and seeing a kingfisher in oh, the wow. pond in the park and there's nobody else in the park it was like summer morning really warm and a kingfisher and it was like I just stopped and it was one of the most beautiful moments of my whole life and I remember it, it was years ago now it was like six years ago and I remember it so clearly that was really early on you know but it's things like that beautiful moments so they happen right from the start so it's not about it's going to be awful for five years it's just it's going to be a nice journey but stop focusing on where you're trying to be I think is, is the message and, and enjoy where you're at instead and I think another important point that I'm, I'm I find myself repeating this over and over again is blips blips that the stress and guilt that you experience over mucking up every now and then does you more harm than the muck up, really. So if you fall off the wagon, be it with whatever it is that you're battling and, and trying to conquer, and like you've just said, occasionally you find yourself, you know, the things that you need to bring balance into your life all start falling apart. As long as you kind of, okay, you have that awareness, you, you kind of 
start to say, you know, you just don't let it escalate, essentially. You take those steps and everyone comes to know, I know I personally come to know, like, and you've said the same thing, you know what the first steps are you need. Usually it's sleep, then it might be a nutritious meal and then it might be, you know, fresh air and then you're, you're back on it, you know. But yeah, take those steps as quickly as you can and then put it behind you. And that is something that, that stops Absolutely. a lot of people. And, and, don't, and I think, again, we live in a society where it's quite normal to really beat yourself up and crucify yourself over yeah, things. Yeah. You know, the way you talk to yourself is... You'd never talk to a friend, you know, no, in the way that you talk to yourself. Yeah. It's like, give yourself a break. I mean, our neuro- neurology is very, very um, fixed and it takes, it's, you know, you can change it over time, but it takes quite a while to rewire your brain. And so for a long time after, for instance, stopping drinking, you'll get a lot of triggers where the natural response because of how your brain is wired is going to be, I want a drink. So, you know, like the first party you go to or the first wedding you go to or you know a hot summer's day when you walk past a beer garden and you hear loads of people kind of laughing and having a nice time in the beer garden it's like that overwhelming urge to do that thing because that's what you've always done on the hot summer's day that takes quite a while to override and change but it does happen so if you do cave in occasionally you know try and understand that that's your neurology and it's not going to change overnight you know it's not that malleable it's going to take a while of before you form new habits. Now, I never think about drinking on a hot summer's day. If the sun comes out, I think, you know, great, let's go to the beach or let's go for a nice walk in the countryside or whatever it is, you know, that I want to do. I never think, oh, great, let's go and crack open a bottle of wine and get pissed in the back garden, which is what I used to do. (laughs) I just find that utterly bizarre that I used to think that. It's really weird. But that's because my neurology has physically changed. You know, the habit's gone. A great uh, quote I have from a guy called uh, Paulie Canavint. He's a strength coach, which does a lot on Buddhism meditation. He always just says, you are not your thoughts. Just always remember yeah. that. You are not your thoughts. And it's like when you find that negative chatter kicking off in your head, it's just, it's not truth. It's just, you've yeah. just got to let it go, let it flow through the brain, like visualise that. Meditation comes in. That's where meditation really, really helps because you can start to hear those triggers and those cravings. You can start to isolate them as external thoughts that they're not you that that happening because you've done something over and over again for 20 30 years so that's what your brain is accustomed to thinking but that's not you you know and when you can start to see that it's really easy to ignore them because you you start it's like the devil on your shoulder it is almost you know it's a separate thing and you don't have to listen to them it's not you i did it last night i had a massive craving for chocolate and i knew there was a, a biscuit tin full of kit kats <laughs> and it really was a ah grip my teeth kind of white knuckling for ten minutes. I really, really, and it was, and it really felt like a, it was me, and I absolutely wanted a Kit Kat, yeah. and I was sod it, you know, stupid sugar, like you know, sugar ban. I want Kit Kats. I want one now. Ah. <laughs> And it was, and I really, but I thought, no, don't, because it'll pass, it'll pass, it'll pass, and I had to be really strict with myself. And it did, absolutely did. Ten minutes later, it had gone. wasn't bothered about a Kit Kat, and I was so chuffed with myself. But if you do that over and over again, eventually that becomes just as much hardwired as the craving for a Kit Kat once was. You know, eventually, three years after never eating a Kit Kat, you won't ever think about eating Kit Kats. It goes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because Matt's actually uh, trying to lose some weight for the marathon because he wants to lose a bit of size um, because he wants to be... It's, it's just too big, yeah. basically, for running. And uh, so he's just decided... And over Christmas, he indulged, and he's like, do you know what? If I'm honest, I could lose a few... This is body fat. I could use a, lose a little bit and lose... And probably a bit of muscle, but trying to keep the muscle, essentially. And just watching him do all of that kind of stuff that you've mentioned, I've been really impressed because he, his, if he was to say he was addicted to anything, it would be food like he's he says he's a he's a kind of you know he's a fat man in it <laughs> deep down inside he's like there's a fat man waiting to get out like he, as a kid and you can see where this comes from by the way because his mum and nan feed him they're absolute feeders they're like when he arrives what do you want what food do you want you fry up do you want this i got you this and i brought you this and that's how they've you know, like shown love to him yeah, yeah. and it's uh but watching him at night and I'll, I'll kind of go and get my i'm not that bad but i usually have a couple of squares of dark chocolate and i'll go do you want some and he's like i do but but no, no, and he's been really impressive actually, and, and, oh, and now he's like, getting me thinking: Do I really need it? This is such a habit for me. Like I don't, and you know. But if you can, if you can eat two squares and then 
call it a day. That's fantastic. If I could do that, I'd be a happy woman, but I can't. <laughs> if I, and probably Matt's the same. Yeah, if I have two same. squares, I'm eating the whole bar. Yeah. I just cannot stop. But if I don't have it, I don't think about it. If I, but I've got to have none. <laughs> yeah, he's actually said, like, don't don't buy stuff in. Just don't, yeah, don't yeah. have it in the house. Don't even go there. Because as soon as you start nibbling on it, then you just, you're lost. So the yeah. sugar monster is awful. <laughs> One thing that I've started doing every, as a sort of, and it has become a habit, but it's a really good habit. I have a, la- um, a matcha latte every evening. Oh, lovely. Nice. It's really, really nice. Um, I like the taste of it, but what it's done is kind of totally taken away that sugar craving yeah, because yeah. I look forward to it. It's really it's kind of really warm and frothy and nice because yeah. I'm a little matcha whisk, so I whisk up the matcha first before I put my... And I have it with almond milk. Oh, nice. Um, and it's a really sweet, warm drink. But I noticed that if I have that, I don't ever want chocolate It's because it's quite sweet. It fills you up a little bit because it's milk, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does totally work. And, I've, and I just have that now, and I don't feel guilty about it because it's really good for me. It totally stopped my sugar cravings. Yeah, yeah, and it's just become... But I notice now it's like it gets to a certain time and I'm like, ooh, matcha latte, you know, and, it, <laughs> but I, and it's every day I have to have it now. It's become a complete habit, which is great. I feel really chuffed that I've formed a good habit. <laughs> We've got a Bluebird Tea Company in uh, Tunbridge Wells and they've got three flavours. They've got chocolate matcha and they've got something like, I think it's salted caramel matcha and I keep looking at it going, oh, that would be nice. I might go and get one now you've said that. <laughs> Let's see if I can swap in. Some, um, some matcha coconut dairy-free coconut ice cream the other oh, day, nice. which I've not tried yet, but it sounds, but I'm, that's, <laughs> just thought, God, that's my treat now. Dairy-free <laughs> yeah. matcha ice cream. <laughs> it's kind of naughty, but not really. <laughs> it doesn't feel very Sheffield, I don't know why. It doesn't feel very, no. <laughs> no, it's not very nice. It might actually be absolutely vile, I've not tasted it yet, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's in the freezer waiting for me. <laughs> Well, we've been uh, we've been an hour, so I've taken up loads of your time. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I said, oh, okay, we really should, enjoyed it. We should let everyone know um, if you've enjoyed this this chat. Um, Lucy and I, as we mentioned, are doing an event in Cambridge on. Gosh, can I even remember the dates now? Twenty uh, third. 23rd of Feb in uh, it's, it's at uh, Barnes Fitness in no, 24th is it 24th or 23rd look at us pair organised we're so busy it's the 23rd no it's 24th sorry 24th. It's 24th yeah 24th of February at uh, Barnes Fitness in Potton a really nice studio they have a cafe so we're getting them to put on some fitter food and um, I'm going to be talking about things like uh, obviously kind of nutrition side but specifically relating to women's health, hormones, uh, mood health, so things we talked about today, what you can do with nutrition, sometimes with things like supplements, with gut health to support yourself. Lucy, you're covering. Yeah, well, my, I mean, I suppose my bit is more to do with self-esteem and personal development, emotional kind of awareness and learning to like yourself, I think, and trying to trying to help people get to the crux of what they're, of what's behind their destructive habits and how to sort of start giving yourself a break, really, and, and living life in a more simplified, calmer, but self-compassionate way. Awesome. And the main goal of this workshop is actually to give anyone who comes along some key tools. And so we're putting together some things that people can take away and start to work through um, you know, some of the information that we give. Because it's all very well as bombarding you with a whole day of stuff about, you know, this is good and this is going to help you and this will do this to your body and help with your hormones and think about doing this but we we really both of us strongly feel about giving people an action plan to go away with and a kind of strategy and i think it's like making that personalized for people as well isn't it so it's like give people kind of an overview of the general sort of science for you you know on your part it's the science and and the fitness and the health information and more of an emotional kind of manual a bit from me but then helping people to work that into their own life and looking at their own issues and how that then you know kind of works for them and how to utilize it best to address their own issues wherever they are so it's going to be an amazing day and we just want to um, obviously spend hang out with people as well that's always nice because both of us are usually just online half the day and busy and (laughs) so it'd be nice to actually uh, hook up with people so if you do want to come along um if you head over to uh, fitterfood.com we've got details on there there's an event bright or go to the fitterfood facebook page and we've got some links on there and uh, you can book on we don't have many spaces left actually there was quite a, a, a big uptake so we're down to the last few spaces so don't miss out uh, we're hoping to run another but we can't promise because 
Lucy is exceptionally busy and I just like getting even busier as well. So as you've seen. So we both have really unhealthy work addictions. Yeah, basically. So we we can't (laughs) promise that we'll actually be able to break that cycle. But if it it goes as well as we expect it to, then we will definitely try to do another one at some point, I think, won't we? Because I think it's going to be a really enjoyable day for people, not just for attendees, but like you say, for us as well. I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a really positive, happy day, I think. Yeah, no, I am as well. I'm really excited. And we've got some free freebies. Uh, from from great sponsors as well which is always good yeah um, so yeah guys hopefully you can make it along uh but lucy thank you uh for giving up your time and um, yeah thank you for having me <laughs> okay. as ever. the last like five minutes of this podcast hamish has just been trumping like a good one it's like literally if we were filming my face would be like <laughs> well my heating's gone off because i forgot i'd turn the thermostat down to 19 so so it goes off at 19 i did it overnight last night i put it down to 19 so that we could keep it on overnight because it was so cold yeah i forgot to turn it back up again so it's just gone so cold you now so it's like a fridge in here I need to go and crank it up have Wait. you got snow there we've got snow here not really snow a bit of frost and very very um frozen ground there which is nice you know because it's been so muddy and horrible walking the dogs it's just been like bog everywhere and all the ground's frozen now which is lovely and the sun's been shining blue sky it's been a really nice day yeah so i went out with him this morning running and i was like dreading it because it's like it's snow but actually it's easier to run in the snow because everything's really hard all the grass is hard yeah yeah it's nice isn't it once you're in the countryside i just don't like pavements when it's snowy and icy it's scary so it's falling Oh, well, thank you anyway. So you take care. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you over in episode 98. Bye. Bye.